Blog Talk Radio. The great city playboy, they're always around, around. to help build your hope up, then help drag you down. They'll leave you with nothing worth singing about. What's poppin' my dirties? Welcome to Blazin' Right Radio. It is Thursday, October 29th, 2015. You're checking in with your smoking nephew, and I'd like to welcome the man behind the background vocals you just heard in that lovely crystal water sound, Jonathan Weeks. Jonathan, the shot to my batter and wah. How are you, man? wind up singing that Phil Phillips song, Home, you know? It's a great song. It brings me home. And, uh, you know, you can't get it better than this, really. This is where I want to be on a Thursday yeah. night with you, talking about all kinds of things in life and uh, trying to make sense of this crazy nonsense. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> that, that is exactly where I want to be on Thursday night. Speaking of, are you, like, in the middle of a wedding rehearsal dinner right now? I just left a wedding rehearsal dinner. Um, okay, I, how did that I, go? I, I'm glad I did, and I'm ready for the show. <laughs> okay. And the show is going down. I, I just can't wait for it. I mean, this show is what I was looking forward to, not this wedding rehearsal dinner. I mean, the food was good, but uh, <laughs> it was it, it was okay. It, 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 it was exhausting, but the the show is what I'm really waiting for. Good, me too. I'm glad you uh, I'm glad you think that. And what what uh what, did you have to make a speech? No, no speech for me. There's no best man in this uh, wedding uh, group. So I'm one of six okay. groomsmen. Uh, he's a childhood friend of mine. And, um, and uh, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, actually. That's a good point, because uh, if there's no groomsmen, I think all of us are kind of entitled to make a speech, which I really don't like to do. I, uh, <laughs> I'm not good at public speaking. I'm terrible at it. And it's just not something I really shine at. So I'm hoping that they don't pick me to do something. Well, no one can be as good as Ken at Jesus's wedding at a best man speech. Because nope. that was that was tits. After I've seen what you've done and uh, your amazing, uh, you know, singing and your your best main speeches, which I think you should write a book about and uh, teach people on. I think uh, you know it's it's. I don't think I can ever follow up to that. I think that's just not possible. I think you should do all the best main speeches in the entire world. If anyone needs to be coached on your best man or best mind speech, I am your guy. Uh, I charge uh, $37 an hour, and you can find me hanging outside your local A&P. Uh, and most definitely, I will, most definitely. Yes, 
I will teach you how to rap. And if you want to see any of my best man speeches, you can go on YouTube and search Blazing Rye wedding speech or something like that. Most couples are still married <laughs> that I've given speeches. You put a Major's speech on there. You have Major's speech on there? Yeah, it's up there. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I, I'm, I'm just going to tell you the audience, you're not just uh, purchasing a uh, speech or the, uh, you know, the willingness to do a speech and the skill, but you're you're, you're creating a memory there that's going to last a long time. And, uh, you know, Blaze Array is one of the best. <laughs> Un, unlike the marriage. <laughs> lasts a long time, unlike the marriage. Um, so... <laughs> I was uh, riding uh, my city bike. I was I got a city bike. Uh, I was riding home across the Manhattan Bridge uh, tonight. And last time we talked about this, a guy yelled, "If you can't go any faster, get your fat ass off the bike and walk it!" Right? So that was last time. This time, I'm rude. I gotta say, rude. Very rude. Apparently, bikers are like the angriest people, and I didn't know that until Vinny, who uh, co-hosted for Pinch Hitted for you last week, he pointed out to oh, me. Oh, he's great. Vinny was great, huh? He he was. Yeah, he was great. He had a lot of, uh, you know, he, he comes with a lot of his own uh, like jokes and and stuff. It's very odd. He, he he not only does he bring the hot messes, but he brings the punchlines with him. I really think Vinny was prepping the entire like month for that show. I mean, I'm not kidding. I think. He... <laughs> He's well prepared. He's he's genuine at it, and he's a good guy. I mean, you know, I think uh, we got to incorporate a little more Vinny, a little less Tommy Boy. How about that? Huh? <laughs> Speaking of coming up on the show tonight, of course, we have uh, actor turned activist Danny Pintoro, and then a little later we will be chatting with uh, choreographer, dancer, uh, wizard extraordinaire Tom Fogarty who will deliver the um, Hot Mess Awards, and we will all joke off together. Uh, <laughs> the, so on my city bike ride tonight, I was, uh, I was past the Manhattan Bridge. I was in Brooklyn, and nobody yelled at me. A lot of people passed me. A lot of these assholes and flannel and stuff, they passed me and, um, on the bridge. But then in Brooklyn, uh, I, I figured, all right, I got, I got here without getting yelled at or called fat or whatever, so that's a good thing. And then... Um, I hear this conversation from this group of friends on a corner who look like they're going out somewhere kind of fancy. And this is the conversation that I hear. And I, I couldn't get a good look at them really because they were um, – because I was on a bike and I was riding it. But uh, what I heard was <laughs> – what I heard was – so I did – I got skinnier. Did get skinnier. What? Look. I did. You don't believe me? Look. And the girl is, like, opening her jacket to prove that she got skinny. First off, what the hell kind of friends is this girl keeping around that they're protesting her weight loss? At least have the decency to lie. Well, I, I definitely think that's pretty ridiculous. Her friends, that, you know, and, you know, what does she have to do? Strip naked for them to see? I mean, that's probably what they were trying to get at. I mean, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Look at the the, uh, the the women nowadays. They have to please even their own friends. I mean, you have to please men. You have to please your friends. I mean, no, what is this nonsense? It's ridiculous. Forget about it. Come on, forget about it. <laughs> women nowadays? What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm about 80 years old now. <laughs> uh, there's uh and then the other thing was what kind of person says shit like that you know she's like i got skinny i did get skinny usually if you lose weight you wait for your friends to comment and rather than brag about it you know? 
Very true. She wants instant gratification. That's what's wrong with this generation today. You know, they all want this, you know, uh, right in your face. Uh, Yo, yeah, you look great. Oh, that's awesome. You know, they want to be noticed. I don't, I don't know. I don't get what it is. Uh, who knows? Maybe it's because Facebook, everybody doesn't notice you anymore. Maybe the real you doesn't get noticed. I mean, but that's a little too deep for tonight, I think. But, I, I mean, uh, I feel sorry for this girl. <laughs> Uh, um, it would have been funny if one of her friends were like, no, you didn't lose weight. You're still a fat cow. I think they may have been saying that because I could only hear her being real loud, but I don't know what the other ones were saying, but I couldn't hear anything. They were just like staring at her as far as I could tell. I think you should have gone in on the conversation and commented, you know, if she really lost weight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. I don't know her. I was just riding my bike trying to mind my business. And another thing. That's true. I was riding in an elevator today, and um, first, a, a lady, so my friend Jack and I are in this elevator, a woman comes onto the elevator, and two other girls are trying to get on, and it closes on them, and they don't get on, and then the lady goes, she goes, hmm, like this weird, hmm, she says, and like Jack and I look at each other like, what the, and then another guy gets on the elevator, and he has this massive newspaper that he unfolds facing the back of the elevator, reading it, and then he takes, like, a little scrap of it and rips it out of the newspaper, and then another lady comes on, and I thought, how much weirder can this get? And it was just a very strange ride, John Weeks. It sounds like a strange ride, but I would have laughed. I would have laughed at when the elevator closed. I, I hate to say that, but I do laugh at that. I even laugh at myself when I don't make the elevator to close. I mean, it's, it's quite humorous, actually. We run all the way to this big metal door, and it, as it closes in on our face, and, uh, you know, like we're going anywhere really important in life, you know. But seriously, I mean. <laughs> I, root for, I root for it to close on people. I root for that. Sometimes I do, actually. I, yeah. I, I like that lady's reaction, though. She was like, mm, like, like they deserved it or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She clearly had issues with those other ladies because they were on the same floor. But enough I mean, about you know, that. Who's the blamer, you know? I mean, maybe they were terrible people. Maybe they deserved to have the elevator door shut on their face. I don't know. But probably. karma is a strange thing, you know. It does do those things sometimes. Yeah. Uh, or you know, you could hit the, uh, or you can hit the close doors button too. That yeah. helps. Uh, that helps karma uh, quicken up a little bit. All right. Well, enough about that. <laughs> our first guest, our, our guest tonight, rather is an actor who has appeared in uh, television shows like Highway to Heaven and As the World Turns, but he is best known for his role as Jonathan Bauer on the hit television series Who's the Boss. Please welcome to the program Danny Pintoro. Danny, how are you? Who? Welcome who? No, I'm just kidding. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make us put the elevator hi. door on you, too. Oh please, the elevators. They, they. My husband has uh, uh, issues with um, closed spaces, so I don't, don't even get him started on elevators. That <laughs> okay. will be a, an interesting conversation that requires volume. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no we don't want any of that. Um, but I, I wanted to let you know that you're the first guest that we've had on the show that was actually a childhood gay crush of mine, and I wanted oh. to. Thank you for being the, my first uh, childhood crush that came on the show, and thank you for confusing the shit out of a six-year-old. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh, well, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm honored to be here, a six-year-old. I love it. Um, you know, it's like, it's, it goes back to that funny conversation, though, of like, I had no idea at the time that I was gay, so... You know, even though I was already a role model for people, they didn't mm -hmm. know it. 
um, it's still just weird to think, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I got so many stories when I first came out. It, it was all about thank you for being there, and I have no point of reference or no frame of reference. And you know, that was the hardest part because I really couldn't do anything about it at the time. I was just too busy mm-hmm. focusing on getting through Stanford University to, you know, consider the idea of being anything other than a student. So, so you I didn't that, but. Did you not know during your Who's the Boss years, were you still confused about it? Um, yeah, you know, it, it was the kind of thing for me where um, it was like I had I had very limited re- interactions with, with boys. Um, I had mm-hmm. one when I was very, very young, sort of playing house in my plastic ba- house in the basement. Uh-huh. Um, but I remember it as being, you know, titillating, if you will. And then I had uh, someone from the Boy Scouts that I used to sort of hang out with, and we would do stuff, but it was mostly sort of, um, we just thought we were good friends. We didn't realize Uh that there was, like, more to it than that. We didn't get that part of it. Oh, okay. And, you know, part of it is because I didn't have any frames of reference, really. Right. You know, like, I didn't have anybody in my life that was gay. I didn't even really know what it meant. Um, I mean, Mm. I had, you know, people in my life, like, uh, hairstylist and stuff on who's the boss, but that was always like, it just didn't occur to me that that's what those people were doing, uh, when they were not doing my hair or my, my makeup. <laughs> that uh-huh. any sense. Hopefully not during well, while they were doing your hair and makeup. But, well, uh, yeah, that would not go well. No. <laughs> I mentioned <laughs> anyway. on the last show, I mentioned to my co-host here, John Weeks, that I went to see, Hi, John. uh, How you doing, Daddy? good. <laughs> Um, so I went to see. Uh, uh, can I just wait? Can I just tell you what I'm yes. doing as we speak? Because this will really put everything into context. Please do. So I'm, I, <laughs> I am putting together part of my husband's Halloween costume. <laughs> what? What is it? <laughs> He's going as Robin Hood, and I'm going as the Sheriff of Nottingham. And oh. I'm, I'm tying like these this interesting twine on his bow and arrow that we got because it was sort of plain looking, so I'm making it look <laughs> less plain. Is, anyway, so that's the context. Is 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 um tying twine on his bow and arrow a euphemism for something or is that no what you're no definitely doing? not not in this case no I am literally tying twine on a bow. <laughs> okay. Uh, now, the, I was telling uh, weeks a couple weeks ago that uh, I went to see Gilbert Gottfried's podcast live, and you just reminded me of they were interviewing Jim Norton, the comedian, and he was talking about all these childhood experiences that he had where he was like, oh, yeah, me and my friends, when we were young, we used to blow each other. I mean, not really blow each other, what? but we used to hold each other's dicks in our mouths for a little while, and then we would take turns or he whatever. Could, like, yeah. Yeah, and he's like, and and but he identifies as a heterosexual male now and everything. But uh, he, uh, that's what he used to do as a child was blow his friends. You know, I think a lot more people would find their sexuality more fluid if because everyone's done that at some point, or I would say a lot <laughs> of people have done that at some point. And so, if it didn't become about the stereotype of gay or straight, or just even the label, I think we'd have a whole other scenario in our hands. But you know, that instantly becomes either something dirty or something uh, sinful, you know. So mm-hmm. those people just put that in a claw, in a box and never see it again. And the rest of us, though, who are like, no, that's actually part of my identity, um, you know, are the ones who get to actually sort of come out of that closet. So Right. Yeah. It's uh, 
it's definitely a thing, though, right? Especially nowadays. What's the? There's like a bro blow job, bro bro job called bro job. <laughs> bro job. <laughs> John Weeks, Somebody... have you ever have you ever given one of your bros a bro job? <laughs> no, no, no. But it's it's a new thing, so maybe. Maybe I, I I don't know. I mean, I saw it on something on Facebook. Uh, maybe it's maybe it's maybe I'm making it up. I don't know. I think it's a good term, though, right? That's I like the idea. Sure. I mean, I would certainly watch that video. My gosh, yeah, oh, no. For I, sure. yeah. <laughs> uh, before we continue, I just you've gotten um, since uh, revealing to Oprah that you've uh, you were HIV positive and uh, you've known for about twelve years and stuff. Since then, you've gotten a lot of backlash from people within uh, the community, activists, bloggers, and I just wanted to invite all those folks to uh, just fuck right off. Uh, and we can have a conversation as adults, if that's all right with you, Danny. Sure. Okay, <laughs> That's great. not what I thought you were going to say. I honestly thought you were going to say, I invite you to call in and have that conversation no. with us. And I was like, oh, no. my God. No. Uh, this, is, this is my time with my childhood crush. No way. They're not going to interfere with this. Not happening? All right. <laughs> well, you know, I mean... They they had some valid things to say, and I, I've always said that. I said I've taken what they said to heart. I just – you didn't have to do it that way. You know, there's another way mm-hmm. to do it, which is sure. send me an email and sort of give me – and I've gotten those. I've certainly gotten those from people with some really – I got one today. You know, he, mm-hmm. he said that I should consider sort of clarifying – you know, that's part of the problem is that it's, it's about how – I have to talk to two different audiences kind of at the same time. So mm-hmm. some people are upset because I'm catering towards talking to the gay community who are the people that I really want to focus on. But at the same time, the rest of the world is still listening. So a gay guy might sort of take or hear me better if I, if I call it barebacking, but mm-hmm. a straight woman who's, you know, like, so you've got to put it into context who, you know, who am I sort of trying to keep listening to the conversation? And that's a valid point that unprotected is a better option than barebacking, you know, in mm-hmm. certain contexts. I get that. And uh, I'm, you mm-hmm. know, learning that as I go. But you can do that in a private email, in a conversation with me, or get my phone number and we can talk about it. But yeah. you don't have to go on the Internet and, you know, it's just what we do nowadays, though. Lady Gaga yeah. talked about that today. She, or was it today? Um, a couple of days ago, how she sort of, you know, we're in that medium where it's like, oh, look, somebody wrote an emoji. Oh, should I write back with this one or should I write back with this one? Are they going to read into it if I write it this one? Or, you know, it's like mm-hmm. you can't just be yourself. You have to sort of be, you know, figure out what the either PC version is or the uh-huh. PR version is. Sure. Um, and anyone who decides not to do that is, you know, called out for it. Well, while we're on that topic, a lot of the uh, backlash that you've gotten is um, because you uh, said that you think that you uh, contracted uh, HIV through um, oral sex, and a lot of people within the uh, uh, HIV positive and LGBT communities uh, were up in arms about that, saying it's uh, it's impossible and stuff. But the thing is that, and and then I noticed that uh, you said in an interview that people maybe should 
cut you some slack. But the thing is, I don't know why you need to be cut slack to begin with, because every time I've gone in to an STI clinic, there's always videos playing and there's always writing on the wall that says HIV can be transmitted through uh, oral sex. So all you said was the same thing the medical profession has been saying for many, many years. So I'm still not sure what you've said wrong here. Um, I, I, yeah, I, um, yeah, I, I don't either. Um, I, I mean, that was the thing that, it, the thing that made me the most frustrated was that they sort of were insinuating that I didn't know what I was talking about, that I hadn't done my research, that I didn't know that I was sort of making myself out to be a fool because I was spouting misinformation. But you just go to the cdc.gov and there's a whole page called oral sex and HIV risk. It, it's not mm-hmm. like I'm making this information up. Yes, it's incredibly difficult. And I'm not 100% sure that that's the case. But it, it, it's not impossible, you know. Um, and the thing that I keep trying to reinforce is that there was meth involved. And, and, and in my mm-hmm. book, meth, you know, meth changes, put all of the statistics and all of the sort of rules go out the window and become a whole other set of statistics and rules. Right. Because, you, you know, like – you have to remember what you've been doing. You've either been up for a really long time. You probably haven't had a good meal in a while. I hadn't had a good meal in a while. Um, I There was lots of abrasions going on in the mouth from what we were mm-hmm. doing. There was a high viral load involved. You know, so I, uh, that's what I, that's what I've, the truth that I've been living for the last 12 years. So I, maybe I'm wrong, but if, if it's the kind of thing where, you know, you think it's affecting the sort of PR aspect of the conversation I'm trying to have, like, can we just move on to the bigger topics? You know, like, can we actually mm-hmm. just talk about what we're really talking about here and not about how I've sort of, you know, created a PR backlash by talking honestly. <laughs> right, right. John yeah, Weeks, I, I hear know. you chomping at the bit over there to ask Danny a question. Uh, are you in the same room or are you somewhere else? So I'm somewhere, somewhere else. else. I'm in a different state. Oh, okay, good, okay. So how did you handle the uh, the news that you were HIV positive? How was that that time period, and how did you get through that? I guess. Um, you know, it was really hard. We were back in times where an HIV test still took two weeks to get the results for. Um, you know, we had advanced to the place where you can do it in ten minutes. Um, but there was a lot of time spent sort of feeling like. Uh, I was definitely far enough along or we were far enough along where I didn't feel like it was a death sentence. That's for sure. I was, you know, it was only 12 years ago and we already had great medications happening at the time. But the conversation with myself was entirely about would I ever have someone like me again? Would I ever have someone want to spend time with me? Oh, my God, that conversation and and how, how, you know, how repulsed by me are they going to be or will I ever be able to be have love again? That was the conversation more than, more than anything that was happening in my head. Um, you know, I, I was lucky to have a really great group of friends in my life. So the conversation of the fear of telling them was, was never existed. I mean, on the day that I found out, I, I feel like the fates were sort of involved in some sense because after, because I, right when I found out I was on my lunch break from, I was working as a casting, um, a talent assistant at the time. And I went to get the result on my lunch break, um, walked back to the office after finding it out and had to work for another six hours. Um, 
which was, you know, horrifying. But I get off the subway on my way home, and my very, very best friend in New York, who doesn't live anywhere near where I live, just so Mm -hmm. happens to be walking down the street um, in the other direction. (laughs) And so I literally got to have, like, that moment right then and there where I just got to tell someone, and someone who meant a lot to me. So, um, Mm -hmm. you know, that happened right away. Um, Oh, that's nice. The next couple of months were hard, you know, and, and the next couple of months had mess in them as well. So that was making things even harder. Um, you've got a job, you've got to keep living, you've got to keep going. And uh, when I, some point in, in finding out um, the first medication I started did not agree with me at all. So we had to stop taking that one. And then the, the second one was better. Um, but we were worried that the first one I was going to become resistant to it and, you know, all these questions come up that people just don't understand when they think, oh, I'll take one pill and I'll be fine. Okay, well, what if you happen to get a strain of HIV that's already resistant to multiple medications? You've immediately eliminated half or more of the available mm-hmm. medications. Mm-hmm. You're limiting your options right at the right at the get-go. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, there's tons of questions or tons of things that people just aren't thinking of when they say, oh, I'll take one pill and I'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, the... um. Uh, sort of aftermath of that, you, you mentioned talking to your friends and stuff. Uh, you, I read that um, when you told Tony Danza that he, you thought he was most disappointed with the the drug use. Tell me, take us through that conversation. Yeah, it, you know, it was. I can hear it in his voice, but I think it's just it's the disappointment that any parent is going to have when they find out that their child is just, um, you know been a little less good than they thought they were. Um, and, you know, for years and years, he's always been saying that we, we turned out right. We turned out great. And we were one of the few who really sort of managed to stay out of that scene. Mm-hmm. And now I'm telling him that I kind of didn't, you know, right. I understand it. I, I've heard, I've heard from him since then though. And he was like, I, I wasn't disappointed. I just felt, I felt sorry. I felt like we needed to, I just felt is kind of what he said. And I get huh. that. I get that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm not afraid of the disappointment. You know, if, if someone can sort of think twice about doing math because they're afraid of the disappointment that they'll feel from their family and friends, maybe they won't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, so. And I've been saying that with everything. It's like, I don't, yeah, all of the bad stuff is just as important. I'm not afraid of it. There are pictures on the internet. I'm not afraid of them. All they do is show what happens when you get into drugs you get into that scene, bad stuff follows, like it always does. Right. So you're um, talking about uh, Tony Danza like he's your father, and it seems to be a similar uh, relationship you have with Judith Light. Have they been uh, parental figures for you since Who's the Boss started? Oh, yeah. Um, You know, it is is just a job when you look on it, and that's kind of what happened with Alyssa and I. Like, we just... We we weren't the best of friends, so when the show ended, we just mm-hmm. didn't really sort of connect or keep in touch. But with Tony and Judith, I literally felt like I had a second set of parents, um, and my fa- my parents also felt like they were their co-parents in a, in a way. Um, so mm-hmm. for years afterwards, it was kind of like um, you know how you keep in touch with your your uncle or your aunt, like all the major holidays and just checking in on birthdays and all that good stuff. Was I seeing them a lot? Was I seeing them every weekend? No. Um, but I definitely think that that was there. And then time passes, and sooner or later you only really speak to them on, like, uh, a major holiday or some big event, you know, call them to 
congratulate them on the opening of the show they're in or what have mm-hmm. you. So, um, but I saw Judith several times over the years, and I, I was able to sort of I asked her to meet up with me so that I could tell her about the HIV. Um, and it was literally I said it's, it's kind of important. So she's like, well, I've got an hour while I w- uh, lay over at the train station in New York City. So I was still living in New York at the time. She said, why don't you meet us there? And I literally was at a train station in New York City telling Judith and her managers about being HIV positive. Um, I just felt I needed to tell them. And what was their reaction? Yeah, they were, um, they tried to be just nothing but supportive. But you have to remember, they've already been working with HIV for many, many years. And they've seen what happens and they've seen the the people dying. So, you know, they're a little sort of, um, you could just, you can see the worry in their eyes. Um, mm-hmm. But they were super supportive and, and just told me that if there was anything I needed, um, connected me with a couple of people, I remember, because I was still learning about it and what it meant. Um, and it was really great to have them. Um, and then some years passed and I haven't really connected and uh, ran into her here and there but felt it was definitely important that I tell her that I'm, you know, going to tell Oprah about this. So I, I contacted her about a month, uh, a month and a half before. Um, and then I also sent her like my talking points and what I wanted to focus on. And um, she and her managers gave me some great feedback on that. So uh, I was really grateful for them for that. Oh, that's great. Uh, with uh, Alyssa Milano, uh, you guys didn't talk about it until after the rest of us heard about it, right? Yeah, and I I regret that. I definitely should have told her beforehand, if anything, just so that she could have been prepared. I honestly just didn't have a way to get a hold of her. I guess if I had made, you know, some extra effort to find that, I could have. Um, But, you know, it's been 25 years since the show ended. I've seen Mm -hmm. her maybe twice in those 25 years. It kind of just wasn't on the top of my mind as something that I needed to do. Um, but man, when she talked about it on the talk, I was, ah, I was so taken aback. My husband was sitting there in tears. We were both just sort of slack jawed at, at just listening to her and how wonderful she, she was talking and, uh, it was so good. So, so good. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, uh, and now you guys are, are reconnected. It seems I, I read that you said she was kind of, uh, you're everything for a few days and you were texting. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. We still are. She keeps Great. checking in on with just the other day she wrote and said, you know, just checking in on you, Bubba, and we talked for a little bit there and Bubba, is that what a couple she of people. Bubba? That's what she called me, yeah. Yeah. And what do you call her? Alyssa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh-huh. uh, I think she gets Bubba from her parent I think her parent that's just sort of a term of endearment for people in general, uh, mm-hmm. in sort of Italian circles a little bit. Um but, uh, yeah, so, and then, you know, she just, we, we, she connected me with someone, and through email we talked, and uh, she said in the email, you know, just take really good care of Daniel. Um, she's just great. She's just really great. You know, I was just thinking, uh, John Weeks, would you give Tony Danza a bro job? Oh, God. <laughs> uh, the jury's out on that one. <laughs> oh, God. All right, then the real question is, is who would you definitely give a bro job to? <laughs> oh my There's got to be somebody. Well, you're on the spot, Tough week. question. I, I know if my I had a man crush, if I had to have a man crush, uh, Keanu Reeves? <laughs> oh, okay. 
Keanu Reeves now or Keanu Reeves circa point point break? What's the difference? Uh, yeah, that's kind of true. Probably uh, yeah. circa point break. Yeah, the, the circuit. Okay. Bill and Ted's next little bit. Okay. How, how old are you? I'm 32. <laughs> so you're kind of a thing for younger men then, it seems. <laughs> Well, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm a heterosexual person. Yeah. It's okay, it's a bro job. Jim Norton's a heterosexual. Uh, but that's he's true, that's wonderful. true, it's a heterosexual bro job. That's right. um, and mine, of course, would be Brendan Urie from Panic at the Disco. He's the, my, like, the prototype of my type. I would definitely blow him in a second. I don't know who that is. Who is that? You must, Brendan Urie, B-R-E-N-D-O-N-U-R-I-E, uh, oh. lead singer of Panic at the Disco. Hmm. I don't. He's yeah. Good. I, oh. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yes, I like this. Now you. And get the, it. you know what's really really funny is that I'm Google imaging it, and like fifth picture in is actually the um, mug shot of Nicholas Brendan from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I oh, don't know how that's mixed in there. Oh. I just, geez. <laughs> wow. Okay. Thank you, Google. Anyway, <laughs> he's he's been in trouble a couple times recently. That Nicholas Brendan. I need to look it up. I didn't actually know that in the first place. Wow. Yeah, I think for assault, wow. he's been arrested like twice in the last oh. few months. So oh my I guess. Oh really? I don't know if Buffy stopped killing the vampires or what was going on with him. But... <laughs> oh my god. Um, you're so the, you you're met... the fun guy, aren't you? <laughs> no, no. It's all John. John Weeks is the fun guy. The pun no. guy. <laughs> Can I tell you about um, a really amazing costume I saw the other day? This please. guy was wearing a, a tux, and on the lapel of the tux, it, it, it had, he had written on a card, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. He was a formal apology. Oh. Uh, uh-huh. I was like, really, really, <laughs> really. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, yeah no. If you haven't spent the entire night explaining the costume, it's not a good costume. No, that's kind of how, uh, no offense, Weeks, but that's kind of how Jay Leno would tell his jokes. He would tell, then he would explain them. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, yeah, it's it kind of true, though, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so uh, you mentioned uh, uh, several times um, uh, your meth, using meth, and, and I read that you got into uh, meth uh, after a kind of tumultuous breakup, and then you wanted to get into some bondage stuff. What turned you on to that after this breakup? Um, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't think they were intertwined at all. I think all okay. along I had sort of a, an interest in, in, in looking into that side of me. You know, I'd always sort of been really turned on when anything got a little bit kinky, and I thought, well, that's got to mean something. So let's, now that I'm not in this relationship, it's sort of the, the opportunity to explore that. Um, sure. Yeah. So no, not not connected because of the relationship, but the fact that it was kind of over with the the oh, and now's my chance to give that a try. Um, I see. And that's you when you were introduced to get into that, you know. Oh yeah, for sure. And that's when you were introduced yeah. to the drug. Yeah. Um, it just so happened that that happened for me. Um, the guy that I chose to meet up with to explore that some. Uh, more had meth and he was gorgeous and I said okay I'll give it a try and mm-hmm. it made the experience so much better and it made the experience um, 
you know, I, 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 you know, anything that I was afraid to try, I no longer was afraid to try. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's, that works. That's, that's a great thing, but in the long run, it's just not. Um, and I said all along that I'm actually not sure that he's still with us. Um, he just, you know, was living kind of a reckless life and wasn't on any medication. I just don't know where he would be now. I'm, I'm hopeful that he was able to get into recovery and, get on medication and take better care of himself, but I don't, I don't actually know the answer. I've tried to find the answer and I, I can't find the answer. Um, mm-hmm. But, people, you know, a lot of people were upset because I sort of was, you know, connecting mm-hmm. BDSM with crystal meth. And right. that wasn't my intention to say that the communities have become inseparable. It's just that my experience includes the both in combination in some ways. And, you know, there I don't think I'm that far off in the sense that they're because it takes away your limits and because it sort of provides you with no boundaries. Um, I think anyone who's exploring that is going to find that appealing. Um, you know, whether or not it, it, it means that the community is intertwined or not, that's beside the point. The point is, is that the, the bondage community, they're a tight knit community. You've got to be very welcoming in the bondage community because you're mm-hmm. welcoming someone into trying something that a lot of people just don't get, you know. And so it is right. a very sort of tight knit community that has a lot of great sort of mantras and great sort of ways of looking at the world. And I'm trying to say, hey, let's not let our commu- that community be affected. Let's not let our community be affected by the presence of meth. Let's do something about the presence of meth being in the community, whether it's, you know, five people doing it or a lot of people doing it is besides the point. It's in that community. And I think we should do something to get it out of the community. If you're going to take that good care of each other, then that should be a priority is, I guess, the point. Sure. Does and, that make sense? Uh, yeah, for sure. The um you know, Danny, a lot of boys in my phone have the last name Grinder or the last name Adam for Adam. And um <laughs> oh, God. And I read that you talked about uh how meth is actually a, a significant part of those apps and websites and stuff. And I actually I mean not that I've ever had a I've always had Mike you and I've talked about these experiences on the show with weeks. They're never good. Um, but you know, you get horny and whatever, but, um, I never realized that meth was, uh, such an integral part of, of these apps. Is it? Um, the jury is out truthfully. Um, I have had the most difficult time finding statistics on sort of how many people on Grindr or on any of those individual websites are part are either, are on meth, were looking for meth, or have done meth. There is not that information available. But I think that information is not that hard to get, and so I'm hoping to sort of come up with some sort of a research plan where I can figure it out. Start Simply just start with the people who have some of the monikers in their profiles, PMP or clouds or party and play, or some of them are starting to get a little more cryptic. But Uh figure out those people and then figure out how much how much time those people are on Grinder, and then compare that to the average user at user of Grinder, and you should sort of be able to figure out, um, you know, how many people and how consecutively those people are there. If you know what you're looking for, and if you know what the sort of uh, you know tips or the hints are, um, when I was looking at Grinder, when I still look at Grinder. I can say, and my husband gets so angry with me. He's like, okay, I get it. Like, I'll just be like, okay, that guy, 
that guy, that guy, <laughs> that guy. He's looking for it, but hasn't done it in a while. You know, and it's like if I could put pinpoint the actual number, then it, it's going to be a larger number than people think. And that's the point. I, I don't know if it's yeah. intrinsic in the community, but it's going to be a larger number than people are aware of. It sounds like you've point, got the algorithm know. down. It sounds like this all comes down to you. You're the one who needs to provide the statistics. It sounds Should like you I know exactly. It? Yeah, I think so. If someone will give me a million dollars to do a proper research on it, I totally would. Weeks, yeah. will you donate a million dollars to Danny? I definitely will. We'll, we'll, we'll start a crowdfunding uh, okay. website. Okay. Done. <laughs> um, do you think that these these apps and websites uh, are contributing to kind of the um, the ignorance among LGBT youth and the the kind of um, you know, barebacking is more uh, widely done now. Also, there's a lot of barebacking in, in porn now, much more than um, I yeah. remember. Uh, and, I mean, certain things happen, like in California, they put that law where you had to wear condoms in porn, but, of course, then they just go film other places. But do you think that all these these things are contributing to kind of um, the, the ignorance and promiscuity among LGBT uh, youth? I think it's a really uh, – it's a fine line because you've, you've totally, in that one sentence, just combined like 25 topics, all of which are important. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think that the apps are contributing to the ignorance. I think the ignorance is just there. I mm-hmm. think maybe they might be cont- contributing to the promiscuity. They're definitely contributing to the um, – to look the other way. You know, like I know we've all had that moment where we see someone on Grinder who's got P&P in their profile and we just skip them. We just scroll past him mm-hmm. instead of actually doing something about it. And I haven't figured out exactly what that is yet because I don't want you to write to him and say, ew, you're disgusting because that's shaming and that's just going to lead him to find somewhere, some other outlet. Uh, yeah, because everybody you? Wa- you don't want to do that. Yeah, who are you, Candace Cameron Bure? You don't want to do that. You don't want to shame them. Exactly. Like, that doesn't work. Um, but <laughs> at the same time, because we're sort of looking the other way, we're still contributing to the problem in the first place. So at least with mess, um, I feel like it's it's that they're definitely contributing to the problem. I don't think that Grindr or any of those sites have, you know, they're doing a lot more to sort of be a part of the solution um, in terms of, you know, having better options on their profiles for what your status is, and I think that's really great. Um, but it comes down to not grinder, or the, I don't think it's their responsibility to sort of control what you do in your bedroom. You're making mm. that decision, and that decision comes from, you know, the kind of lifestyle you're living, or the knowledge you have, or the lack of knowledge you have, or you know, the the level of fear you might have about any STIs that are out there. Um, so it's all these other factors. And, you know, so, yeah, you connect with a guy on Grinder, but it's what you choose to do with that guy in the bedroom that's the problem. or well, not the problem. I mean, it depends on the scenario, of course. But I can't mm-hmm. fault Grinder for that. They just connected you, and then it's your choice what you do with that person, you know. Right. Um, huh. But you've combined so many different things. It's like in, in that sentence you said, uh, you know, there's there's the ignorance, yes. There's complacency, yes. There's tons mm-hmm. of that. Um, I think there's the stigma is definitely involved in the sense that the same guy who's willing to bear back because he got a test done a year ago that said he was negative, I'm still negative, um, 
is partly, you know, afraid to do another test because he's not sure that answer is true anymore. Mm-hmm. So you've got the stigma, you've got the ignorance, you've got them all playing together in once in that scenario. Um, but, you know, there are the people who are trying to be responsible, and I, and I commend them for that. Um, anyone who has sort of taken prep on in their life is someone I would consider being more responsible than other people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think prep is an amazing thing, and it's a great tool and definitely should be a part of anyone who's very sexually active. It should be a part of their arsenal of protection, for sure. I mean, that's the sort of coin, the phrase we're coining. It's called it's like the arsenal of protection because it isn't the only form of protection that you should be taking advantage of. You know, like you shouldn't, you can't be on prep and on bareback.com. At least a negative on prep and on, that, that, those, that doesn't work for me. You know, like mm-hmm. I don't want your other STIs, you know? And um, so it, it, it's, you, I mean, there's, we could talk for hours about all of the things you said in that one great sentence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. And it all came from just you know me having an erection and opening grinder. So uh, an erection? Yes, exactly. An <laughs> erection or an erection? I didn't hear in, you very well. An erection while on grinder, not right now, but just while you know oh. while and then opening the applications. Um, do you have? It was an erection. Oh wow. Okay. An erection. Yeah. An erection. Do you, Danny? Do you have any fun? Uh, Funny grinder stories or are all they dark and and meth laced? Oh God, yeah, they're kind of a little bit dark and meth laced, really. <laughs> okay. um, I mean, it is the season for that, right? Um, I the the one story that I tell is um, I had been up I had been up for God knows how long, and I was sitting in front of the computer and I was scrolling, you know, with the mouse, you know, how you can scroll. I was scrolling through the profiles. And I literally could not figure out what I was looking at. I thought it was a list of prisoners, and then I thought it was a list of people who lived in the building, but I could not stop scrolling. And I did this for a good 45 minutes before (laughs) I sort of popped out of it and realized, what the hell am I doing? Um, Yeah, no good. (laughs) No good. I mean, you're laughing, so maybe it is a funny story, but not not when you're in that moment. No, that's terrifying. And I told but probably my craziest uh, encounter was I told John Weeks about this where uh, I uh, on the show we talked about this where I went over this boy's place in in Greenpoint Brooklyn and um, I had texted him on the way over there uh, I'm all for like making out and safe sex but no oral because I'm terrified of the super clap because there was that incurable strain of gonorrhea that was um, in oh, the community yeah. at some point so I said oh, yeah. you know. No, I said no oral. Then I get there, and he starts going down on me. And I'm thinking, wait, didn't I say no oral? But then I guess I'm figuring maybe he thought I just meant I don't give him oral. And then um, what winds up happening is I'm uh, banging him, and in the middle of that, he gets this text, and he's like, oh, I forgot. I invited a bottom. And I was like, what? Uh, uh. And then he says, yeah, oh, you want to fuck a bottom with me? And I was like, wait, there's another guy coming? And he said... Hold on. And then the guy calls him like in the middle of our coitus. And then he goes and uh, lets this other guy in. And his name was Gabriel. And Gabriel walks in there and he starts taking his clothes off. And then the guy, Hank, he turns to me and says, Gabriel likes to get fucked raw. And I was just thinking like I texted Uh. him beforehand that I wanted to be super safe. And then here's this other guy. And then right in front of me, 
He starts fucking him, um, you know, bareback. And then I, oh, uh, God. luckily, at the time, had the wherewithal to just uh, jack off and, and get out of there. And so I'm, like, putting on my boots in the living room. And as I'm in there, uh, Hank runs out completely naked. And he goes, I feel like we creeped you out a little. And I was like, totally. I'll see you later. And I left. And it was just, it was, like, horrifying. If that's not what you're looking for, then that's totally horrifying, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, God, that's. That's yeah. That's just poor communication. Not not on your behalf. It sounds definitely like you did what you needed to do. But yeah, um, I mean, and then when he started going down on me, it was kind of like I was reminded of that George Carlin. Uh, Here's something you never hear: Stop sucking my dick, or I'll call the police. You know, you don't really stop. Oh, oh, oh God! Oh God! Oh God! <laughs> well, it sounds like you're definitely not one of the people who I'm speaking to when it comes to uh, using safe, having safe sex. Or Listen, I'm sex not sex. without. You know, I have. I've made. You know, I've. Uh, I've been on both sides of the coin, made mistakes, not, and I try to learn from them. And and now I try to be, you know, as safe as possible. So I I know kind of how it goes. I've had scares and stuff, and um, yeah, it's uh, it's. But it's interesting to see in the in you know as I have explored with these apps and whatever that um, there are certain people who just kind of you know uh, go for it without any sort of protection and and that I I don't yeah. I guess I don't really understand yeah well there's two things the the first one is is that um, it's not just math that can put you into this situation um, sure. and that's something to remember and people sort of forget that they sort of hear me say math and then they tune out but. How many times have you gotten a little too drunk and you maybe don't remember exactly what happened, you right. thought you were good, and then mm-hmm. who knows, you know? Um, I had a friend who was in a, a monogamous relationship. They decided to open it up a little bit. He spent one night with a guy, and now he's HIV positive. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it's not like it, it has to be like a mess weekend for HIV to come into the scenario. It, it could be very little for meth to come into the scenario, and that's something to remember. And you're doing what you need to do to take care of you, and I commend you for that. Um, the other thank you, Danny Pintoro. Uh, what was the other? What was the other second half of the sentence? Because now I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, Matt, you, you were saying that your mistakes. it's not oh, just oh, meth. The, yeah. the website, yeah, and and that that come that's part of the thing. Like, I want to get us to a place where. All of us who are on those sites have more um, more freedom in a way to say no to those people or to get those people to realize that they're not welcome, perhaps, on Grindr. Um, I don't know how to get there yet. I'm trying to figure out how to get there. But part of the problem is that you're – there are those people on Grinder who just want to have bareback and don't care about the rules, but mm-hmm. it's just like with meth, by sort of scrolling past their profile, you're, are we contributing to the problem? Um, mm-hmm. And that's what I'm getting at. It's like, how do we sort of get everyone on the same page to the point where if you were to contact that guy and say, dude, let's, you know, like, let's talk about what that means to you he wouldn't feel uh, attacked. He'd feel like that's you coming to him to help him figure out what's the best way to go about this. I'm not saying everyone has to have, like, safe and crazy, crazy safe sex. Let's, I mean, like, getting people to use condoms is really, really freaking hard, and it's getting harder. So let's just start with um, getting tested, 
You know, one mm-hmm. in three guys, one in three gay guys has had an HIV test in the last year. Mm-hmm. One in three. So if you were to hook up with three people this weekend, one of those three people is only one of those people has been tested within the last year. That sucks in terms of a number, yeah. you know, and that's, yeah. that's not good. So what yeah. I'm thinking of is finding a way to get to us to a place where, you know, we're a very social creature, we're, especially us gays. We're very social and we're very sort of what's trendy, what's not trendy, what's the cool club mm-hmm. to go to, what's the cool thing to do. What if we can get us to the point where ha- knowing your status is like the trendy thing to do, the cool thing to do. Oh, I can't hang out with you because you don't know your status. You know, like I don't know how mm-hmm. to do that, but I feel like if we get us to that point, then not only would people be getting tested, but then we'd be more likely to say something to them on Grinder if they have don't know in their response to uh, their HIV status, which is like the worst, you know. Yeah. Um, there's a lot. There's so there's a lot, but we'll figure it out. We're getting there. Yeah, it sounds certainly possible um what your uh hopes are here. And uh where um <clears throat> where Danny do you go from here? Uh you you quit your job and you're what are you doing now? You're traveling the country talking about HIV awareness? Yeah, um I uh I just came back from DC where I was given the courage award by the Whitman Walker Health Clinic there. They're oh, wow. amazing, amazing thank you, thank you. Um, I'm getting an award from Aid for AIDS next week in in New York, uh, same kind of award for courage and bravery. Um, I'm hoping to spend the next year just going around the country talking about all this stuff. Um, The first thing I kind of need to do is figure out how to pay the bills because none of what I've been doing is paying the bills. Um, I'm working on that. Mm -hmm. But, Mm -hmm. you know, there's sort of five topics to talk about in every opportunity, and that's what what undetectable means and sort of getting people to realize that undetectable is kind of the new negative in a sense. I could explain that more. Um, Stigma, of course, mess, of course, the complacency, Mm -hmm. of course. Um, What's that? That's four. Undetectable, mess, complacency. Oh, and prep, of course, prep being the last one. So Mm -hmm. whoever or wherever they'll let me talk about those five things, I'm, uh, I'm there. Awesome. Uh, do you? Does it concern you? Like, are you scared that you don't know how the bills are going to get paid next, or do you have an idea of how that's going to happen? Or no, no, no. I mean, the <clears> only <throat> thing I'm scared about is that I'm, I'm, that I'm not going to be able to come up with something, and I'm going to have to go back to work, at, you know, at PF Chains, and then I'm not going right. to be able to spend this year doing what I, what I really want to do. Um, mm-hmm. But coming, but going into this, it, it doesn't really come with a, a paycheck, you know. So it's kind of a matter of figuring out how to make one of those work. Um, we'll figure it out. It, it'll happen. I, I'm confident it'll happen. It doesn't, I'm not looking to be, um, you know, have a growing shoe collection like Miss Jenner, but I'm definitely just needing to pay the bills, you know, I mean. <laughs> did I say that out loud? I'm sorry. Yeah, it's all right. She comes up a lot on this show, so it's okay. Oh, really? Uh, hey, yeah. yeah, she, she does. Um, and uh, John Weeks, do you have a, a question over there? I do have one more question, Danny. Okay. How much do you hate dogs ever since filming Cujo? (laughs) I knew it was going to be something like that. I knew it. See, he's the fun one. Somebody told me, uh, Will and I were having the 
most difficult time trying to figure out what to do for Halloween. And someone said that I should be me and that he should be Cujo. And I kind of I thought that was a little bit brilliant. We just couldn't figure out how to make it happen. Um, but uh, no, not at all. Come on. There were seven dogs. There was a dog in a dog suit, a man in a dog suit, a mechanical dog. There were like... The, all of the cars were able to sort of be split in half so they could get cameras inside. There was nothing scary for me about the movie. That said, every time we did a scene, and I'm, you know, screaming and crying my eyes out, I literally made everyone think that I was traumatized. And they would literally stop camera and they'd be like, okay, you know it's not real and you know it's – and I'd be like, yeah, what? are you ready for the next take? You know, and <laughs> – but, you know, I don't know. No, not at all. So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, last uh, question is you um, knew about this for at least uh, – or you knew about this for 12 years, and then you uh, decided to share this news publicly on Oprah, Where Are They Now? Why was that um, the venue that you, they, that you chose? And uh, I noticed Oprah thanked you for trusting her. Why? How did you know that that would be – kind of the the right way to go about this. I mean, she's freaking Oprah. Yeah. Come on. I mean, has she ever done, like, look at Oprah's history. Like, can you name an interview that she's ever done that ended up being salacious or scandalous? I don't think you can. There's a really short list of people in that journalist category that you can truly say that about. And I'm not going to start talking about this stuff unless I trust that that's not going to happen, you know? Mm-hmm. It certainly happened since then, <clears throat> the view. But, um, but uh, you know, but I, I knew what I was getting into with the view. But the initial story, I, I said, I'm not doing this unless it's someone who I can totally trust is going to do this right. Um, I actually had the idea to do it about five years ago, and I decided not to at the time, partly because they couldn't fit me into her talk show schedule, and partly because I realized now it just wasn't the right time. Um and then cut to uh, April of this year where I get an actual call from them wanting to do a where are they now with me. But they're thinking just a regular, although he's living in Las Vegas with his husband working at P.F. Chang's. And uh, I got on the phone with the executive producer and I said, um, you know, there, I, I, this is going to be a little bit bigger of a story than I think you guys are thinking. Uh, and I told her more about it and she said, wow, that's, I'm 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 so honored that you want to tell us this story. Is it right if I ask Oprah? And I was like, uh, no, don't don't even think about. It. No, of course you can tell Oprah. Are you kidding me? Um, so she called me back the next day and said Oprah was really honored that I was trusting them with the info and that she was really looking forward to sitting down and talking with me about it. So uh, it went from there. Uh huh. So. Danny, I noticed that you said you're, you're going to be in New York to get an award. You know, maybe we could yeah. uh, have lunch or something. You know what I mean? Oh, no good? yeah. Oh, yeah, that, that sounds awesome. great. Let's do it. Yeah, do I'm it. all for it. All right. Then uh, um, I yay. just need to... Oh, that'll be fun. Then I just need to have lunch with Mark Paul Gosselaar, and then my uh, childhood dreams will be uh, fulfilled. <laughs> I think you could probably find a way to get yourself invited to this Aid for Aid gala. You should figure out how to do that. Oh, yeah. I mean, you are a popular radio host, after all. Stop it. Stop it. Um, So, uh, Danny, uh, I, you know, despite what 
some presumptive, judgmental bloggers have been saying your, your honesty and bravery over the last couple of weeks has been heroic uh, and will help a lot of people go going through stuff. And not just HIV, but stuff in general. And uh, just wanted to thank you so much for, for coming on the show tonight, sir. I appreciate it. I'm glad to have you guys on board. And, you know, the more people who can sort of spread this stuff around, maybe we can actually make some changes and get people to sort of start talking about these topics that have been sort of forgotten by the the group of us, you know, and, and that's the key. It's like, I want us to sort of take care of each other again. You know, we've been so focused mm-hmm. on getting society to think better of us, which is a great thing. And we've done a tremendous job of that. We've got, you know, mar- equal marriage rights around the country now, but in doing that, I think we've forgotten about each other a little bit. I think mm-hmm. it's time for us to look back within and say, okay, here we are. Let's make those steps because I want you to be able to enjoy the right to get married because you're living a long life and because you're living a a drug-free life. You can't do that. You can't appreciate what we've achieved if you're not still around. Um, So let's let's focus on getting more people to stick around. That's a great quote there. You know what also I think would be a great kind of uh, phrase for this would be, Nights are long, but you might awaken to a brand new life, brand new, <laughs> brand new, brand new life around the bend. Oh my God, I love it! I love it. <laughs> All right, Danny Pintura, uh, thank you so much. Have a great night, sir. Thank you, Danny. Thank you so much. Take care, okay? Take, Take care. care. All right, John bye. Weeks. Do you know? Bye. Do you know what time it is, John Weeks? Um, that's a long time already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom Fogarty, hey, 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 Yep. <laughs> he sounds pissed, Weeks. He sounds pissed. I'm not pissed. I just love yeah. when people reinvent the wheel. <laughs> I'm not pissed. Well, uh, Tom Fogarty, uh, what are you doing tonight? Uh, waiting around for you. And, and now that you've made your appointment, so the next time he's in town, go have your HIV test together. Oh! A lot of, a lot of hateration and holleration because we were a few minutes late here, sire. No, it's not right that. In this Come on, hater. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know we love you, Charlie Boy. It's not just that. I was sitting here all prepped. <laughs> Oh, see, he's a great kid. Isn't he a great kid? We love, yes. we love Tommy. Yes. Tom Fogarty, who is your first hot mess? Oh, I don't know anymore. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Tommy, boy, you know it. Well, I guess since Oprah was just declared a saint, let's start with her. Uh, apparently she was eating kale chips with Quincy Jones, left him to go to a party, and while she was at the party... Someone had to come over and tell her that she had kale and stuck it to her teeth. Yeah. Oh, yes, gross, that bro. was gross. Yeah, mainly because kale bro. is disgusting. <laughs> Ugh. And who yep. is your second hot mess, sire? 
My second uh, hot mess has got to be this uh, brain fart that happened with Mac Main and Birdman. Ooh. Ooh. And their new album. Okay. What happened? Well, they chose to do a song about the, what's his name, Ethan Couch, the kid that used the affluenza murder thing to get away with having killed four people, claiming that, you know, he's a rich kid, so that, like, gave him, uh, like, you know, access to, like, really good pharmaceutical drugs and his parents' liquor cabinet and stuff, so therefore he wasn't responsible. Anyway, the fucking kid gets off, so... Mac Main and Birdman write this song saying, uh, interesting, DMZ goes to, you know, jail all the fucking time for basically nothing, and this kid gets off for killing four people. But what they did was they put a picture of another rich white kid on the cover, not the kid who they should have been talking about, Ethan Couch. This kid's family is suing them, and his life has been made hell. (laughs) Oh, my God. Who the fuck is Mac Main? Who's that? Mac Main, what do they go by? Uh, Case something? Oh, Case. Birdman and Mac Main. Oh, okay. And uh, who is your final hot mess, sir? My final hot mess has got to be after seeing and hearing the, the entrapment tapes of... The lovely subway pitch man Jared Fogel. Ooh. Five year sting oh. operation that went on because even though they could have gotten him immediately, they wanted to get like the head of the, you know, trafficking kids to and from Thailand. Oh. Thing. It's like SVU. So this woman who's the first one that brought it to any of their attention, who was a reporter down in Florida was at some event, you know, like some heart fund event, that he was there talking about, you know, extolling the virtues of eating Subway and how healthy it was. And just chatting with her on the side made the comment about how hot the middle school girls were. <laughs> oh, my God. Like set off an alarm with her and her cameraman, and the cameraman had, like, you know, the the mic was live, so he was hearing the whole conversation. And then Jared proceeded to start sort of hitting on her, and she decided after months that, well, what she would do was just continue the conversation and find out what it was he liked. Well, it went on for years. Mm. Oh, my God. Now, on Dr. Phil today, they released some of the tapes of him talking. And one of my favorite little quotes was he's talking about getting her to set up a pool party at her house in Florida and inviting mm. the neighborhood kids. And she has made up all these kids, telling him about 10-year-old Brad and how sweet he is and yada, yada, yada. Well, Jared interjects with, well, have you ever thought about sucking Brad's penis? Oh. And then when she goes, "Mm mm-hmm, he says, well, would you share it with me? Oh, my God. That is creepy. Oh, gross, bro. Oh, my God. long. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god no, I think at that point it's not even a six inch No um, Wow That's fucked up Fuck yeah. up That's messed yeah. up well, the subway bites at that point I feel like now, I feel like now's not necessarily an appropriate time to ask this But are you guys lubed up and ready to joke off? Uh, yeah, no 
Cue the strings and the horns. It was very catchy. All right. Kick us off, Fogarty Mine. Decatur, Alabama, fifth grade teacher Heath Morrow wore blackface to school to dress up as Kanye West for Halloween. Even Julianne Huff thought it was a bit much. <laughs> it gives me money when the nominee. Gives me money when the nominee. <laughs> She's a gold digger. Would you call me? No, 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 no sorry. You ain't messing with no broke HIV negative wigger. Oh! <laughs> Weeks. Earlier this the month, next, there you go. Yes, earlier this month, Ontario Burger Chain, the works, unveiled the Reese PBC, a burger stuffed with Reese's peanut butter cups, candy inside a beef patty, topped with crispy onion strings, two strips of smoked bacon, <laughs> and even more Reese's peanut butter cups candy on top, or as Chris Christie calls it. I like snack. You say that weird. You, you say, what do you say, Reese's peanut butter cups? I say Reese's. <laughs> police are okay. searching. Police, very good. Police are searching for an Atlanta woman who was wearing a Beetlejuice costume when she crashed into a parked Mercedes Benz and fled the scene. Authorities say they've already tried saying her name three times. <laughs> Did they try to get a conga line going? Yes. <laughs> okay, an Indiana woman is recovering after her dog Trigger shot her in the foot by stepping on a 12-gauge shotgun. When reached for comment, the dog said, <laughs> A moose was spotted perusing the aisles of a Wasilla Alaska supermarket. The moose said he walked over from Russia. Oh! Because he can see it from his house. Yeah, he's right there. The Minnesota woman, Carrie Pernula, sent an anonymous letter to her neighbors saying, The children look delicious. May I have a taste? Yeah, I guess she was uh, trying to go on that Jared Subway diet. (laughs) Would you share it with me? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. so creepy. That's so creepy. Yeah. On Sunday, a group of people rode naked on a roller coaster in England to try and break the world record of the most nude people who ever rode a roller coaster at once. They ran into a little snag, though, when the little bitty foreskins got caught in the rails. Dating app Clover conducted a study of what states in America have the ugliest men. Among the top states are Rhode Island, Delaware, Connecticut, and Maryland. I mean, have these bitches ever been to Pennsylvania? Come on. Hey. I love being Amish. Yeah, speaking of, 
Northampton, Pennsylvania District Attorney John Morganelli is trying to bar an insanity defense for a man who is accused of killing his stepdaughter and having sex with her corpse. I do that every other Saturday, and I'm perfectly sane, Morganelli argued. <laughs> yeah, chances are. Uh, yep, he learned from Joe Pa. <laughs> You're right about that, Tommy boy. A German cat named Al Jolson. <laughs> was diagnosed with alcohol poisoning after being trapped for seven weeks in a wine cellar and drinking the surrounding libations. The last time I saw a pussy's teeth that red was my first wife. <laughs> A British coffee shop called Fuck Coffee is being forced to change its name as several locals deem the name offensive. The owner of the shop said these locals should be honored. It was they for whom the shop was named in the first place. George W. Bush and George H.W. Bush at a campaign event in an attempt to save his flagging campaign. You know you're in trouble when the person coming to save your ass is George W. Bush. Yep. <laughs> he needs uh, to go talk to the burning bush. At a recent Flow Rida concert, a 62-year-old man decided to go stage diving and no one caught him. Yeah, I guess. I don't know that song. The club can handle him right now. And the club can handle him right now. I don't know that song. <laughs> I really don't. Okay. Is that one of them David Alabama songs? Yeah. Archuleta, is David it? Cuella? David Alabama. Tommy Matola. Matola mine. Matola mine. For the first time, actor Jared Leto spoke about his role as the Joker in the upcoming film Suicide Squad by admitting he took a pretty deep dive, but that he looks forward to living out the last few months of his life. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Oh Lord! I'm a great joke, great joke. I love, I love that joke. I don't know why, but I love that joke. I love it. I love it. Well, let's see if you like it as much as this one. Ooh. New Mexico man Damon Perry, who binge watched *The Walking Dead*, faces murder charges after beating his friend to death because he thought his friend was turning into a zombie. If everyone got beat to death for looking half dead. Kelly Rogers would have been roasting a long ass time ago. <laughs> you got no when to hold on. When to hold on. When to walk away. When to run. You never count your. Oh, buddy. When you sit in at the table. What? <laughs> 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 I 
Is that Angel Gold? Islands in the stream. That is what you want. That's what you want. <laughs> okay, let's get this going. I got a pap smear to do tonight. <laughs> After Jake Johnson said this week that Channing Tatum used to torture his castmates with farts on the set of 21 Jump Street. As long as he's not doing that on the set of Magic Mike. That's oh, I knew I liked Channing. <laughs> Love that, <Yeah>. Tatum. <laughs> I was in the street. <laughs> the NYPD Union has called for a boycott of Quentin Tarantino films after the director said police are too often murderers at a Rise Up October protest rally. In response, Tarantino said, well, you know, it's like you you, you got to deal with the cops and then you got to deal with the people with the cops and it's like a kind of whole thing with the cops and the people and then with the jello and the pudding and the jello and the pudding and the thing. Yep. I was there when he said that. You know, Lou helped help produce and organize that whole series of three days. I was just thinking oh. about that. That's Tommy Boy's daughter was uh, was was all up in that. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's awesome. And she said Quentin was amazing because he was at every event and stayed from beginning to end. Well, oh, I wow, just really? I, yeah, I love I love him. I don't know these protests are are ridiculous of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's like you know the cops turning their back on. De Blasio, but now you know they're all for De Blasio because he's going to go after cop killers. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's stick what a fork in this one. A dog named Blue nearly died after scarfing down a bag of ecstasy tablets while on a walk with his elderly owner. After being hospitalized and put on an IV drip and received activated charcoal to absorb the toxins. He woke up ready for electric zoo. Boots and pants, and 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 boots and pants. Tom Fogarty, thank you for your patience. Thank you for sticking Alrighty around. Then. Yeah, I'm going to head out now down to Chelsea and see if I can't get some meth and find a back room somewhere. Well, have, have a wonderful night, Tommy boy. Have a wonderful Whoa. night. Don't get captured. Have a good one, Tommy boy. Lady Gators. Later, mine. All right, that was Tom Fogarty with the Hot Mess Awards and Jokes. So, uh, weeks, uh, uh, we we just have to get Vinny back. I mean, that was just... <laughs> Vinny is a fucking must right now. We got to get Vinny on right now. Uh, Tommy's gone. He's gone. He's over. The contract's ripped off. He's, he's done. I mean, the negativity was just absurd. It was uh, it was overblown. I don't know what it was from. I don't, I don't get it. You know, a couple minutes late, I... Yeah, let's go with Tommy Boy one more time. He's got to redeem himself. He's a good kid. He's a, he's a okay. wizard. You know, he's, <laughs> yes. They have a lot of mood swings. They have a lot of mood swings. A lot. Yes, he's. <laughs> it's like he's. It's that time of the month for him or something. Um, <laughs> exactly. These wizards go through this period. You know, that's how it is. 
Speaking of, I promised you a 10.05 end time tonight, and we're already at 10.19. So. It's all right. I'm fine with it. Don't worry about it. You know, it's fine. It's fine. I'm I think so. the interview was awesome, so I think uh, it was well worth it. Awesome. I'm 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 glad. Sorry about the uh, uh, no, 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 I'm sorry. It's not needed. So, no, oh. no, it's fine. Okay, cool. So let's uh, we'll we'll end out the show the way we normally do. If you have, if do you have a scene prepared or no? I do have a scene prepared. Okay, then I will ask you what is your favorite scene, and she's the mine, 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 mine. Oh, mine. Alrighty, my favorite scene, and she's the mine, mine, which are mine and binds mine. It's got to be. I think I did this before, but uh, when mine and binds plays a great doctor, here it is. So earlier in this episode, it was very weird that we brought it up in the first place. Okay. Uh, but here it goes. All life is uh, coming home. Salesmen, secretaries, coal miners, beekeepers, sword swallowers, all of us. All the rest of the parts of the world, <laughs> all trying to find a way home. It's hard to describe what I felt like then. Picture yourself walking for days in the driving snow. You don't even know you're walking in circles. The heaviness of your legs and the drift, your shout disappearing into the wind how small you can feel, and how far away home can be. Home, the dictionary defines it as both a place of origin and a goal or destination. And the storm, the storm was all in my mind. Or as the poet Dante put it, in the middle of the journey of my life, where I had lost the right path. Eventually, I would find the right path, but in the most like, unlikely of places. And that's my favorite scene. She's yes. the for Jermaine Bain's Yes, yes, yes. Um, did you did you say we talked about this before because it included sword swallowers? So we talked. I think we talked about home, you know. And you you were talking about the radio show, and it feels like home, right? And I I I think we mm-hmm. said that in the beginning, very beginning, or you said it, and it hit hit me, and because uh, you know it had everything to do with my uh, movie quote, so it was weird. And it was weird. It's almost like a beginning and an end to a great yeah. show. And what was that movie? What was that from? That was Patch Adams, and that was Robin Williams. Oh, okay. As soon as you said "Great Doctor," I thought for sure it would be uh, Patch Adams. That's right. It was, it was great. So I really miss Robin Williams. It's just not the same. I, I do. Yeah, for sure. Well, as you know, it's been a very rough year, I think, for comedy between Robin Williams' death, Bill Cosby's with the serial raping, mm-hmm. and uh, or alleged—I don't know—and uh, and mm-hmm. David Letterman leaving uh, late night. It's just for me those three of events. Have just kind of really muddied the, to put it lightly, the um, the the last uh, little year and a, f- a few months of comedy. You know. Totally agree on all fronts. It's a loss on all fronts. Yeah, it's just sad. You know, hopefully now somebody uh, comes up and can take the reins. I don't think there has been so far, but we'll see. You know. Yeah, I mean now people have to listen to us talk about bro jobs. Bro. <laughs> That's right. We're coming in. We're pulling in for these guys. We're taking over. <laughs> and uh, so what's your favorite scene? Yes. So I think I've done I've done this before as well, but it, it deserves uh, repeating. So this is my favorite scene from season my my future man to bands man and uh, this. By the way, Vinny had no scene last week. Was she's the man with the man to bands man? And I also think he had no clue what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> He's I feel like Vinny like is, is like that most of the time, but he somehow gets through. He, he's just his unique, uh, you know, happiness is gets through the show. I, I, was, I think it was phenomenal. I think he was really great co-host. 
<laughs> and then and then he what'd you think of the guest? The guest was uh, a little a little full of herself, but uh, I thought it was <laughs> a, a good show, a great show. I, I was I was uh, I was listening to I really uh, I want to listen to it again. Vinny was Vinny and you are actually a great team. Um. So he, he uh yeah. So then he like texted me. Hey, what's the name of that film that you quote at the end? And he actually thought it. And I was like, she's the main main feature in Main to Bane's main. And I spelled it like that. And he said lol. And I said no. It's it, we say it from she's the main with the main to Bane's, but it's really uh, uh what I did was about Schmidt. It's always a different film. That's the gag. And then he was like, fucking genius. La la la. <laughs> I feel like Vinny is, uh, you know, he would be a phenomenal. He should have his own show, I think. Yeah. The Vinny yeah. show. We should produce it. <laughs> we should produce it and make money off of it. We should. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know how to make money off of this, but, we'll, you know, we'll figure it out. <laughs> so, uh, so my favorite scene is from She's the Main Main Feature, Amanda Bain's Main, um, semicolon, hyphen, hyphen, ampersand, precious, colon, based on the novel Push by Sapphire, uh, hyphen, hyphen, <laughs> ellipses, um, twilight eclipse, breaking dawn, the hangover. And it's when Alan says, I'd like to, I'd like to say, and Maida Baines is amazing in this role. She looks a lot like Zach Galifianakis. And she goes, I'd like to, I'd like to say something that I've prepared tonight. And then he takes out a wrinkled paper. Can you hear that paper wrinkling? Yes. Begins reading somewhat nervously. Hello. How about that ride in? I guess that's why they call it Sin City. <laughs> you guys might not know this, but I consider myself a loner. Uh, I tend to think of myself as a one-man wolf pack. But when my sister brought Doug home, I knew he was one of my own. In my wolf pack, it grew by one. So where there were two, there were two of us in the wolf pack. I was alone in the wolf pack, and Doug joined in later. And six months ago, when Doug introduced me to you guys, I thought, wait a second, could it be? And now I know for sure. I just added two more guys to my wolf pack. The four of us wolves running around the de the desert together in Las Vegas looking for strippers and cocaine. So tonight, I make a toast. Pulls out switchblade, starts cutting his hand. Blood Brothers! And that's my favorite scene. <laughs> yeah. I think it was better done than Kalfanakis' take. Yes. Yes, it was. Yes. Phenomenal job. Phenomenal. <laughs> and I can think of no better way of ending the show than by saying, if it ain't showbiz, it ain't a biz. Hit the brakes, Florence. And um, I was at a play uh, one night. <laughs> and actually, why don't we let the man himself Do you do him. any impressions? Uh, some. Uh, okay, what's your best one? Good Lord. Uh, trying to, Trying to think. You know, I can do Rip Torn, uh, because he has that gravel voice. Uh, somebody owes me a martini. <laughs> Who's that Rip Torn? Yeah, I, it's funny, though. I actually did meet him. Um, right, I remember. Um, we were actually having dinner. A good friend of mine um, was doing a play, and his director was Rip Torn's wife, um, his new wife, because his... Old one, um, unfortunately, is long gone. But we had dinner one night, and Rip... I mean, Rip has this history of pretty much... 
being worried that the cops are going to get him. <laughs> I mean, this whole craziness. Um, thank God now he's out of rehab. Apparently he's doing a lot better than he did, which is makes me really happy because he, he was a really nice guy. And I enjoyed talking to him. But he was a little drunk. You know, he drank a lot. The wife was a little nervous. And I remember he challenged us all of us to an arm wrestling match. And he beat everybody. When it came to me, I had the grip on him. And people were like, oh, oh, like, oh, my God. You can't do that to Rip Torn. And so I beat him. And after that, he sort of says, he says, somebody owes me a martini. And the whole table cracks up. He's like, somebody owes me a martini. Were you the youngest person there? Yes, I was. That was the ironic part. Do you think that he let you in? No, actually not, because he was really being forceful. <laughs> Yikes. Rip Torn was being forceful with you? Oh, my God. He, he's strong, but he didn't exactly beat me, so. Somebody owes me a Morgan. Okay. Huh? Yeah, somebody owes me a martini. <laughs> is that not the greatest story ever told? That is definitely by far the greatest story I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. <laughs> it is amazing. That is Jonathan DeMar's rip torn story. What were you saying, Weeks? It's what? You can't make it up, and it's it's hilarious. I think DeMar, is, he's awesome in it. There are <laughs> In it, it's like he's not. It's not a TV show he's doing. It's his life. He's he's in, yeah. amazing in that story. But he. But there are so many levels to that, like the the drunkenness and the arm wrestling and the paranoia and the martini and the wife and the play and the grip. I mean, it's it's so well and so intricate. No, I agree. It's 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 a story for the ages because. Uh, you know, I can imagine Rip Torn being like this. You, you know, you read all the stories about him getting in trouble in the law and his drunken activities, and yeah, I could just, I could just see him being like this. You just want to be in that story, you know. You just want to kind of be there watching it as this unfolds with between Demar and Rip Torn, and uh, it's like what it's like the Piano Man. It's like one of those songs or stories that uh, <laughs> just draw you in. <laughs> and it's, as soon as he said, uh, I said, do you do any impressions? And he goes, well. I could do rip torn. I mean, that was that was the first. That was the moment I knew we were destined for greatness. Me and Jonathan Demar, because he uh, nobody, especially a 19-year-old, says rip torn. But that was amazing. Um, and if you have a Barbie doll, what are you going to do with that thing? Oh, you're going to take her to Pennsylvania. Where else? You're going to give her a bunch of ecstasy pills. And uh, you're gonna shoot her because you think she's turning blue because you think she's turning into a zombie. Duh. <laughs> Good night, weeks. Good night, everybody. Yeah, Ron. <laughs>